you want to join me in the book of Numbers, chapter 1, as we begin a new study together this evening, as we continue to journey through the Word of God, we begin a new book study together in Numbers, the book of Genesis, of course, as we've been going systematically through the Old Testament, gave to us a, a book of beginnings, a book of origins. We saw the uh, origin of, of creation, of, of mankind, the origin and institution of marriage and government and the establishment of the nation of Israel. The book of Exodus gave to us the beautiful story of redemption as God called uh, his people out of uh, their bondage there in Egypt and set them Three, uh, set them free from that slavery and uh, uh, sort of uh, you know difficulty that they found themselves in under the enslavement of Pharaoh and the, the taskmasters that they were under and set them free through that uh, blood of his covenant and then we went through the book of uh, Leviticus excuse me together last which remember was a book of, of worship uh, it was a book of the holiness of God and spoke to us about what worship means in a sincere and a pure sense and, and what it means to walk and to, to live in holiness. So now as we come to the book of Numbers, as we continue on, the book of Numbers is, is, is really sort of a, a book of, of the wandering of the Christian life and how sometimes even after God's choosing us and electing us and calling us and then redeeming us and setting us free and us beginning to worship the Lord and, and love the Lord and getting his word. Uh, we all do have that tendency. We realize uh, it seems not too long even after we become born again and are so excited about the Lord, but we realize that we, we still fail. Uh, and we still err at times, and on occasion we take our own little tours of backsliding and times of maybe rebellion and resistance to the Lord, and uh, we experience then some of the consequences and difficulties that come uh, together with those occasions when we sort of turn away from the Lord. And the book of Numbers really is a record of the the wilderness journey of the children of Israel. It covers about a 38-year period. Uh, as they wander through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And of course, we know uh, this journey from where they were uh, originally to where they were headed to the land of Canaan really should have only taken them probably somewhere uh, around the span of maybe 10 to 14 days if they would have taken a straightforward journey. And yet what should have been a 10 to 14 day legitimate time in the wilderness, and listen, there are legitimate wilderness experiences. I don't want to diminish that. Jesus himself, in preparation for his ministry, if you remember, it says the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness where there he was tempted for 40 days and experienced difficulty and spiritual opposition and as a part of his preparation to come back in the spirit and the power of the anointing of God's hand upon him for his public ministry there was a legitimate wilderness experience and there is I think for all of our lives but what we don't want to do is is have a legitimate wilderness experience uh, become an, a, a, a extended wilderness experience where we just continue to wander unnecessarily around the same mountains and the same valleys and the same you know desert areas where we just keep going in circular motions around again and again and again uh, unnecessarily wasting time and wasting what could be uh, that entrance into the promised life the things of the spirit what Ephesians 1 describes and as Christians we can all fail at times 
to enter in really to the abundant life in the spirit that God intends for us. And, and this in many ways is pictured by the book of Numbers and how the children of Israel, because of their unbelief, and their rebellion to God end up wandering around uh, and it takes them 38 years instead of two or three weeks to get to the place that God intended them to. May it never be so of any of us. I mean, what, what an absolute uh, tragedy. And of course, these things are set before us in this book as an example of those very things. In fact, as sort of a preface to this study through numbers, keep your finger here numbers, but come over with me to the New Testament, the first Corinthians chapter 10, uh, just to kind of expose this to you to be thinking about this, because first Corinthians 10 really tells us something very important. It's really the New Testament commentary by the spirit of God given to Paul, the apostle, as he's writing to the Corinthian church regarding uh, really commentary about the book of Numbers. Uh, and, and to me, it's quite fitting that Paul would say these things to the Corinthian church because what was the Corinthian church known for? Really, it was known to be what? A very carnal group of believers. Uh, they were very much into the charismatic things of the spirit, but yet Paul also had to reprove them. It's a correctional epistle because in that church they were known paul said to be acting like babes in christ and this was the concern paul had for the corinthians that instead of being more mature and paul saying look i would like to speak to you as mature christians but at this time you're still acting like infants you're still behaving like mere babes in christ you're not growing you're not progressing you're not going into the things of the spiritual life that God has intended. Instead, he says, you're, instead of developing and progressing, it's like you're still in the spiritual nursery and, and, and you're still not making progress and growing. And it's interesting that it's to this group that Paul also writes these things because that's kind of a picture of what the book of Numbers is like, is the Israelites were not going forward into all God had promised and intended for them and were unfortunately wasting time wandering in the wilderness. But the amazing thing is God was so gracious to them through the whole wilderness wandering because it's through that time of wandering in the wilderness still that God provides manna from heaven and water from the rock and it's just a great testimony that even in our disobedience we lose out but God never stops being faithful he's so gracious and he's so kind even in our backslidings and our mistakes and our unbelief and shortcomings but yet still we don't want to unnecessarily make the same mistake so look what paul says here in first corinthians 10 he says moreover brethren i do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud they all passed through the sea and were baptized into moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food, referring to that manna that we'll see that came from heaven, remember? And all drank from the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So the Bible says that that rock that ushered forth water to them uh, was basically a, a type. It was a prefigurement of how Christ, when he was struck, uh, issued forth the waters of life to, to sustain them, to quench the thirst of humanity spiritually. Verse 5, he then says, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. So now we're beginning to talk about what we see happen in the book of Numbers. He references many of the stories and accounts that we'll learn as we go through this book of Numbers together, which records the wilderness wanderings of Israel. With most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. 
Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And he says, verse 7, do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it's written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And nor let us commit sexual immorality, as we'll see happens in this book of Numbers, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them fell. Dead, the idea is. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, become grumblers, as we'll see a lot of complaining in the wilderness wanderings. And some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Here's the real key, Paul zooming in on verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples. The, the term literally, the idea is, is figures or types foreshadowings and they were then written the ideas recorded down for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come so here's what the bible's telling us scripture being the best commentary on scripture paul is saying the book of numbers records the wilderness wanderings for 38 years of the children of israel now it's not that long of a book so certainly everything that happened in those 38 years is not all recorded every day every event every circumstance and situation but the spirit of god directing moses as he recorded certain events and specific events purposely directed him to record those events that did happen out of those 38 years because those things were also not only literal experiences but they also were opportunities for you and i as christians now in the new testament to look upon as types and figures and examples to admonish us don't fall prey to the same thing don't fall prey to the same sexual immorality to complaining and bickering to tempting God and testing God and becoming idolatrous and different and, and he says these specific things they were written recorded down for us the things that are written for our admonition that we might be challenged and exhorted as we study through these things to learn things even as examples for our Christian life so yes they were literal stories but also the Bible says the ones recorded were purposely recorded so that we could glean lessons for our own Christian life and our journey as it were through our time as we walk with Christ. So come with me back to the, the book of Numbers as we study through this together. Just keep those things in mind that there are lessons here for us to glean for our own spiritual life. He begins the book by saying, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the, notice, wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of meeting, and I always find that interesting to take note of, again, no coincidences here, uh, the Lord spoke to him in the wilderness, but where did he hear in the midst of the wilderness experience? In the tabernacle of meeting, which was the place of worship it was the place where the presence of god was and i don't know about you but i find that in the midst of the times of my own personal wilderness that the place usually where i just tend to hear the voice of the lord so clearly sometimes is in the midst of of the tabernacle in the midst of being with god's people whether it's through the word of god or in the midst of worship and a still small voice speaking to me through a song or communication and dialogue with other christians and and here as moses is there in the tabernacle this is where he hears the voice of the Lord speak to him. And oftentimes that's where we, I think, are in a great place to hear the voice of the Lord speak things to us. So the Lord speaks to Moses 
in that time there in the wilderness, in the tabernacle. And notice the Bible records for us on the first day of the second month in the second year after they come out of the land of Egypt. So it purposely designates the time in which this sort of you know, gives to us of when these things are happening. And we're told here it was the first day of the second month during the second year after they came out of Egypt. So one full year has passed and it is now in the midst of that second year. It's the first day of the second month. So it's the second month, the beginning of the second month in the second year since they've come out. Now, Exodus chapter 40, verse 17 tells us that the tabernacle was finished and erected and set up after God gave them all the instructions basically on the first day of the first month of the second year which tells us this from the time the tabernacle was set up and established we are now one month after that point which means as we said to you in our study in Leviticus the book of Leviticus basically took place over about a one month period when they were in a holding pattern after they had set up the tabernacle through all the instructions Moses received and they built and constructed it and then they erected it and put it together and, and, and they instituted the sacrificial system and then they were in a holding pattern for about a month where the book of Leviticus unfolds and God gives them instructions about worship and the sacrifices and the priesthood and the establishment of those things. So we're about a month after that point now and we move forward over the next sort of 38 plus years which covers the wandering in the wilderness before they will go into the promised land and God speaks to Moses giving this instruction verse 2 take a census or a numbering where we get our uh, title for our book take a census of the congregation of the children of Israel by their families by their father's houses according to the number of names every male individually 20 years old and above, all who are able to go to war in Israel, you and Aaron shall number them by their army. So at God's instruction, he now tells Moses that he and Aaron were to number all of the people. And notice specifically, he says every male individually, all the males were to be numbered from 20 years old and above to be recognized as what would be now the standing army for Israel. Again, keep in mind that they came out of Egypt as nothing but slaves. Uh, they've never known anything of warfare or you know, organized living. I mean, they were just a multitude of slaves under the control of Pharaoh. So now God is beginning to, in a sense, uh, put structure among them and to establish an order in their midst. And so now they're told to take a census among all of the congregation of Israel, all the males 20 years old in the above that they were to number individually each and every one God tells them to take this census so that's what we see here in chapter one if you read ahead basically it is a record of the different tribes and the number of each population of those different tribes as they were sort of taken in this census now in chapter 26 we'll see a second census taken when God tells them to do this again and we'll see that there's sort of a comparison, and that's really why our uh, book takes this title, Numbers, because of these two main censuses that were taken. And, and we'll talk about some of the comparisons uh, between those two things. But again, here God is the one instituting this census. He's asking Moses and Aaron to take this among the people. And you'll notice this repeated phrase. Again, we're not going to touch upon every verse and, and bog you down with every detail of the names and the, the descriptions, but you notice there's this 
this repeated phrase God emphasizes with each and every tribe. Verse 2 there, take a census of the congregation, and it says, according to the number of names, verse 3, and this is that repeated refrain, from 20 years old and above who are able to go to war. So God says every male that is 20 years old and above is fit to be drafted in a sense to serve the Lord and to be engaged in battles and in warfare. And, 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 I, and I, I can't help but to take notice how, how God sees this, you know, and he sees 20-year-old men and he says, look, by that age, from God's perspective, from God's perspective, by that age at 20 years old, God says, okay, it's time to put childish ways away. It's time to be a man now. At 20 years old, it's no more, well, let's still act like we're 15. At 20 years old, God says, it is time to be drafted to serve the Lord, and you need to be engaged in the battle. You need to be involved and responsible and expected to be able to be in the fight together with all of the other people in the population. That seems to be, from God's perspective, a time where God said, look, this is time at that age to engage and, and to be involved in the same things as the affairs of all the other adult, adult population. And, and there's something about you know youthfulness that can be such a great asset or it can be such a wasted thing. Uh, you know, and, 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 and I tell you, in, in this generation where it seems in so many ways, it seems our younger generation is being groomed and taught in a way and has a perspective where it seems like it takes so much longer for young men to grow up into maturity and to embrace what they should be embracing. And God says, look, at 20 years old, it's time to grow up. It's time to engage and to be a man. It's time to be responsible. You are drafted. You are able to engage in warfare like all the other men around you. And, and here God puts this, this responsibility, this expectation upon them. But you know what? It's a good thing. That's a good thing because no doubt it made them embrace God's destiny for them life. It made them embrace at a time when they have lots of energy and lots of passion and lots of potential. God says, okay, then you need to be ready. You need to be willing to, to yield the sword and, and know enough to be able to engage in conflict like everyone else around you. And I can't help but to think spiritually how critical and important is that? How critical is our, our young adult generation? How critical is it to challenge, to exhort, to have our young men, especially our young men, to, to be in a place where they're not delaying, embracing the role and the destiny that God has for them, but that they're realizing their responsibility and they have a sense of expectation of what's expected of them and that they step into that and that they embrace that and, and they let their life be useful for the Lord. Nothing more beautiful than to see young men, you know, 20, 21, 22 years old, who step up to the plate and are fulfilling that call of God upon their life as a man who are, 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 are ready to engage in battle. They've gotten into the fight. They've entered into the warfare of the things of the Spirit and they're willing to, to, in a sense, engage in the battles of life with everyone else around them. So here God sets this sort of criteria for them to begin to number those 20 years old and above all the males who God says are able to go to war in Israel and you and Aaron shall number them by their armies. Now, that's quite a task. 
Uh, again, this isn't a day where you could just register online uh, and you just send out, a, send out an email or a tweet to everybody in the congregation. Hey, just go to this website, click it, and we'll get all our numbers. And t- I mean, they had to do this individually. They had to individually go around and count individual people. And this couldn't be something where they could just kind of guesstimate. Well, yeah, it looks like about you know, maybe 25 people there. And uh, maybe that's probably about a group of 100 of there. No, God said you need to individually go out and count. Well, that's a, a big job for Moses and, and Aaron. So God's gracious. He gives them a little bit of help. We see here in verse 5. He says, uh, verse 4, excuse me, and there shall be a man from every tribe, each one of the head of his father's house, and these are the names of the men who shall stand with you. So God's gracious. He says, look, I'm going to make this a little easier. I'll give you, I'll give you another 12 men to assist you in this ministry, to, to help you in the work. I mean, that is quite a, a responsibility and, and a, uh, you know, a, a job and task God has just given to Moses and Aaron there. So he says, I'm going to give you 12 men, one tribal leader in a sense, one head from each, excuse me, from each tribe that will stand with you in this ministry responsibility that God has just put upon them to take this census. And, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 5 down through verse 15, then give to us the names of the one person chosen from each tribe. From Reuben, uh, Elizer was the son of Shedor, and he was chosen from that tribe. From Simeon, they chose a man named Shelmuel, and I'm not going to try to say who he was the son of. Verse 7, from Judah, Nashon was selected. From Issachar, verse 8, it was Nephanel. And from Zebulun, they chose Eliab as the head of that tribe. Uh, Verse 10, from the sons of Joseph. Remember, that was a split tribe with Ephraim and Manasseh. Uh, So from Ephraim, uh, Elishema was chosen. Uh, And from Manasseh, Gamaliel was chosen. Verse 11, from Benjamin, a man named Abidin or Abinadan was chosen. Verse 12, from Dan, they chose Ahazir. From Asher, Pagiel. From Gad, Elisaph. And from Naphtali, Ahira, who was the son of Eden. In verse 16, these were chosen, notice, from the congregation leaders of their father's tribes, heads of the divisions in Israel. So again, notice they were chosen from among the congregation. Again, God, from amidst of the congregation, God didn't say, hey, we need some leadership. Uh, let's put out an advertisement. Maybe, maybe, maybe some stellar Egyptians out there. Maybe we could bring some Egyptians in here and help manage. Uh, the, no, God said, from among the congregation, from my people. I manage my work with my people internally. Uh, and so God says, from among the congregation, choose competent leadership and again I think the way they were chosen doesn't seem to be by election but it was by God's if you would election that that God identified as is often the case who he called and who he chose to function in that capacity of leadership and these 12 men as leaders sort of tribal heads came alongside and helped and assisted in taking this census with Moses and Aaron providing direction verse 17 then Moses and Aaron took these men who had been mentioned by name and they assembled then all the congregation together on the first day notice of the second month, they recited their ancestry by families, by their father's houses, according to the numbers of the names from 20 years old and above, 
each one individually. And as the Lord commanded Moses, so he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. So notice, the very day, it tells us here in verse 18, the same day, just like what's referenced in verse 1, the, the first day of the second month of the second year, the same day they got the command, they entered right into obedience. Now that's good, they're off to a good start there. I wish we could say that was how they continued on, uh, but they were off to a good start. It's always good to obey immediately. So the day they heard from the Lord was the day they obeyed the Lord and they entered into taking the census, which was probably good because it did not to me, from what I can see, seem like it probably would have been a pretty pleasant task when you've got two to three million people to individually go around and count everybody, every tent inside of every tent flap and every area. I mean, this, so, you know, sometimes when the Lord gives us something to do, rather than contemplate, well, how's that going to work out? Boy, that seems pretty overwhelming. And I don't know if I'm prepared for that if God tells you to do something just do it just obey if God gives you a commission God tells you to perform something by faith step into it and trust he will equip and he will bring it to pass and the amazing thing is is they accomplished this in about a month time span and here's what's interesting later on in the time of David if you remember David takes a military census in his day in disobedience, God doesn't direct him to do it. David does the same thing, but God's not directing him to do it. And David enters under some serious consequences for doing what he did. And when David did what he took, it took over a year. So when David tried to do in the flesh what God didn't tell him to do, it took a whole long time, way longer, ten times longer to accomplish because God wasn't in it. And he got consequences that he experienced as a result. When God told them to do it, God blessed them and helped them. And in a matter of about a month's time frame, they were able to accomplish a pretty monumental task to number all the people because they entered into immediate obedience. So chapter one records for us the numbers, population count of these different tribes. So we'll just kind of reference here what we see and, and what I'll give to you. I kind of have it jotted down in my Bible here to help you. As I said, later on, about 30 plus years later, they take a second census. And there's some interesting things we see in regards to the second census, how numbers changed and how that came out to different totals at the end of that time. So uh, chapter uh, 1, verse 20 and 21 tell us that from the tribe of Reuben, verse 21 says there were 46,500 men who were 20 years old and above. Now, in the second census, that number 46,500 drops down to 43,730. And then from Simeon, we read verse 23, from the tribe of Simeon, there were 59,300 men. That number drops all the way down to 22,200 by the time the second census is taken. Uh, verse 25, we get the number from the tribe of Gad, and that's 45,650. That number later goes down in the second census to 40,500. Next comes the tribe of Judah, and verse 27 says that they counted there 74,600 men. That goes up later on to 76,500. Verse 29 tells us of Issachar, uh, they numbered 54,400, that later goes up to 64,300. 
From Zebulun, we read verse 31, there was 57,400. That later increases to 60,500. And then from the tribe of Joseph, remember, it wasn't really a tribe, but Joseph had two sons who sort of had half portions, Ephraim and Manasseh. We get them next here. Uh, verse 33 says of the tribe of Ephraim, there was 40,500. Uh, that later goes down to 32,500. From Manasseh, we read verse 35, that of Manasseh, there were 32,200. That number later increases at the second census to 52,700. From Benjamin, we read verse 37, that there were 35,400. That later goes up to 45,600. From the children of Dan, uh, we read verse 39, there were 62,700. Uh, that later goes up to 64,700. From Asher, verse 41, we're almost done. Hang in there. <laughs> the interesting thing is that God cares about every one of these people. You know, we read and go, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is worse than math class. Put me in algebra, please. <laughs> but, but, but think of this. There are these underlying reminders and lessons. God's a God of details. God keeps accurate records. God's not into sloppy agape, if you understand what I'm saying. God's not, God's not into messy ministry. God cares about order. God does care about structure. God, and, and especially as things begin to grow and move forward, I think there's a spiritual lesson to be reminded in here is that, you know, honestly, order helps in operating efficiently and productively. And especially for moving forward, as we'll see, as they would make transitions, these things helped, that they were aware of who was there and who wasn't there and, and able to keep better tabs on people and to operate efficiently. And these are just good reminders. Again, God, God is a God of records. God is into keeping good records. We should be into keeping good records and live above reproach and, and not be opposed to you know structure in its right setting and being organized. And, and again, any organism, if it does not have organization to the way it lives and functions, it's going to begin to deteriorate and die. Uh, your human body is an organism. It's a living organism, but it's very organized. If the organization gets messed up in the way your body functions, that's called you're getting sick. And that's a problem, and that's when things begin to break down and fall apart. So here, again, God cares about these things. And again, interesting to us, it's, you know, again, I understand somewhat trivial information, but it shows that God is aware, just like in the New Testament, Jesus says every hair of our head is numbered. That, that Jesus cares about everything. He cares about every individual, and they matter. They're significant. You just don't take a general summation. He says, no, I care about every individual. I don't want you to tell me, well, that's just a group of people. God says, no, that is a group of significant individuals. And I know every one of them. And I want to make sure every one of them is accounted for and, and that there's an awareness of them and they're loved and cared for. And, and, and God just reveals that, I think, even as we take in passages like this that were given to us in the Word of God. Verse 42 from Naphtali, excuse me, verse 43, we read there were 53,400, and that number goes down later a bit to 45,400. And verse 44 says, And these are the ones who were numbered, which, whom Moses and Aaron numbered with 
the help of the leaders of Israel, twelve men, each one representing his father's house. So all who were numbered of the children of Israel by their father's houses from twenty years old, again that repeated refrain, and above, all who were able to go to war in Israel, all who were numbered were six hundred three thousand five hundred and fifty. So quite a large number. There were Ultimately, when they counted all the 12 tribes, of course, excluding the tribe of Levi, as, as we'll see in a few moments here, which weren't numbered in the same way, uh, all those numbered at that first census were 603,550. Now, if those are numbered fighting men, males, 20 years old and above, and then you factor in wives, Factor in children, maybe one to two. They were more prolific families than we were, maybe even more children than that. And then even maybe those who were at an elderly state that weren't able to go out to war still because they had reached a point beyond where they went out to war. It is very likely that you have, and this is why commentators believe, upwards to a congregation of people somewhere between like two to three million people. Now, look, that's like twice the size of the population of Philadelphia. That's a lot of people. Can you imagine just the logistics? You know, if you were in the military or, you know, somebody who worked in logistics in your job or something, can you imagine what would the logistics be to maneuver two to three million people, men, women, children, through a wilderness area the food necessary, the water, you know, keeping the peace, the organization. Hey, it's time to pack up and keep people from trampling one another and making sure everybody's moving in an orderly way. No wonder God said, yeah, we're going to need to implement a little structure here. We're going to need to have a little efficiency here in the way that things operate. So, but again, to think that God took care of all of their needs and provided for them, knew them individually, cared for them. I mean, this is a massive group of people. So here we find 603,550. I pointed out to you both numbers here because when the second census is taken, that number drops down to 601,730, which is, this is what I want to bring to your attention. At the end of 38 years... There's zero population growth. In fact, there's actually a slight decrease of about 1,800 people. Now, when they were struggling in Egypt, and it was hard and difficult, and they were in extremely hard times, it was population explosion. They went from 70 people to continuously multiplying to the point where they're at now. And yet, over the 38 years after they've been released, set free, given everything they need for life and godliness, after 38 years, at the end, when the second census is taken, there's not only just been zero population growth, they've actually shrunk some. Why? Because of unbelief and disobedience. And I tell you, those are two things that can utterly destroy the health, the reproduction, the multiplication among God's people and God's work and the expansion of the things of his kingdom. Unbelief 
not believing God for who he is, not believing God can do what he says, not taking God at his word and, and, and embracing his promises and walking them out in faith, and, and, and just simple carnality and disobedience and rebellion to the ways of God, where we're wandering around wasting time instead of moving forward and experiencing the things that God intends for us. So what a tragedy when you really think about what took place over this time of these wilderness wanderings. Now, verse 47 says, but the Levites, notice, were not numbered among them by their father's tribe. For the Lord had spoken to Moses saying, only the tribe of Levi you shall not number, nor take a census of them among the children of Israel. But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony. So again, the Levites were not necessarily called to be warriors and to go out and fight, we'll see. But instead, they were chosen and set aside, assigned by God to facilitate worship. Uh, there were people who were called to be warriors and fight in conflict, and yet the Levites God set aside because they were called to maintain and facilitate the worship life and give themselves to the spiritual things to maintain the spiritual health among the congregation of God's people. So they were not to be numbered like the other men, 20 and above, but they were to be appointed, verse 50, over the tabernacle. That was their responsibility. Over the testimony and all its furnishings and over the things that belong to it. And they shall carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings and attend to it and camp around the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levite shall take it down. That was their responsibility to disassemble the tabernacle. And then when they were to uh, depart again, uh, it was the Levites who were then to set it up. And the outsider, God said, who comes near shall be put to death. So again, only those designated by God who he gave that authority to were to touch the things of the tabernacle and the holy things a part of the worship system. Verse 52, the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, everyone by his own camp, everyone by his own standard, according to their armies, but the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the children of Israel and they're kind of sort of serving as a buffer uh, there in the midst of the camp. And the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. In verse 54, thus the children of Israel did according to all the Lord commanded Moses, so they did. So chapter 2 will sort of give to us some further explanation now and expansion of what's just been referred to here in these last few verses of, says verse 52, how the children of Israel were to pitch their tents everyone according to his camp, everyone to his own standard, according to their own army. So uh, the, chapter 2 records where God actually assigned them to position themselves, where they were to camp on the north and the south and the east and the west, and how they were to situate themselves. And, you know, as, as we look at these things, I think there are lessons, again, that we can take away from this you know one of them being is you know what you know spiritual life uh, it, it is intended to be a journey uh, it, it is intended to be a journey whereby we don't just stand sort of stagnant and settle in where god has called us to be but this book of wanderings this book of wandering through the wilderness uh, and, and them making progression is a reminder to us that our spiritual life, it is supposed to be a journey. We are really continuously to be taking steps forward 
into the things that God has for us. You know, the Bible, when it speaks of our spiritual relationship, it speaks of it as a walk with God. You know, the Bible says, He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Again, the Bible pictures the Christian life as a walk. Walk indicates progression. Always taking steps forward. Always journeying into new seasons and new directions and walking forward into what God has for us. Whether it's going into greater spiritual maturity, whether it's embracing God's calling, whether it's stepping into the things every day, the good works that God's foreordained for us. But you know, things begin to become problematic when in unbelief and resistance, which is what they'll often do, God says, look, I, I want you to go in and we say, but, well, you know, and, and we make excuses and have unbelief and we don't trust the Lord and, and, and the Lord's saying, no, we, we need to be prepared and engaged because spiritual life, it's a journey and there are battles and there are conflicts that we're going to face uh, and every person is significant and valuable to be God, to God. And here God is beginning now in these early chapters of this book to set order and structure so they can operate efficiency, efficiently. And in chapter 2, as he begins to give them their camp assignments, you see as everybody settles into their place and, and, and takes their place where God tells them to be and they move in the way and God tells them to move, the beautiful thing is that's what would help them in their forward progression. God would say, look, you know, Judah and Issachar and Zebulun, I, I want you to camp here on the east. And then he's going to tell them, look, and, and then on the south is going to be Reuben and Simeon and Gad and, and, and you're going to be second to break camp. And then after you, then when the middle will be the tabernacle and the, the Levites will move forward. But as everybody will see in chapter 2 becomes settled into their assigned place and realizes I have a purpose and I have a place. And it's not I want to have your place. No, I want to be in the place where God puts me. I want to fulfill the function that God has given to me. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm not going to covet your assigned place. I just want to fit into my assigned place and settle in there and move when God tells me to move. And see, when, when the congregation does that, that contributed to them moving forward efficiently in the way that God intended for them to in a beautiful way. And of course, we're going to have to stop here. That was a really aggressive, fast pace there for, <laughs> for, the, for the book of Numbers. But let's, let's stand. Let's